couple of weeks, we've uh, launched our year talking about our mission and our vision. We've been talking about why we're here and where we're going. And if you've missed that, then go to our website, go to our YouTube channel, go to our app, get caught up. If you want to know where we're going, because you're going to get left behind in 2024 if you don't understand where we're going. So you need to go back and, and do that. And now we're going to turn our attention to and a key element of seeing our mission and vision fulfilled. If we're going to see those things done, if we're going to see God working through us to multiply hope, not just in our community, but around the world, then we all need to embrace this idea of living generously. We've all got to be generous livers. So as we start thinking about that, I've got a question for you, a very simple question. What is generous? What is generous? Tell the neighbor beside you in just a few words. Don't have a long conversation. Uh, you don't have time to develop that here. You can do that for, with a coffee later. But tell the person beside you, what is generous? If you're online, welcome online crew. Type it in the chat what you think generous is. Okay, we got it. You know what generous is now, right? Are you surprised at what the person beside you said? Here's the next question. Would you consider yourself a generous person based on what you just said or based on what you typed into the chat? Generous, the word generous actually means this. It means showing a readiness to give more of something, especially money, than is strictly necessary or expected. And I've highlighted for you there, it's more than expected, right? That's what generosity is. When we start thinking about being generous, our minds immediately go towards finances, right? Did everybody think finances? Sure you did. Most of us think finances because even the definition of the word includes money. We talk about money, but I would suggest to you there are a lot of other areas we need to consider being generous about as well, and Pastor Deanna described some of that, even uh, talking about kids' hope and the other things and the Find Your Fit course. There's lots of ways we need to be generous in our lives, and if we're going to see our mission and vision fulfilled, we've got to be generous in all of those areas. But generosity with our stuff is something that Jesus Talked about a lot. By the way, if you're new to church, we are very much on about Jesus and the things that he said. And he talked about money more than he talked about anything else except for the kingdom of God. He talked about money more than he talked about heaven. He talked about money more than he talked about hell. He talked about money more than anything except for the kingdom. In our Bible, in our English translation of the Bible, there are over 2,300 verses that talk about Money. Now, if you're new to church, you're sitting there thinking right now, you know what? I knew it. I go to church, and they're talking about money. They're after my money. No, we're not. No, we're not. If you're new here, I don't want your money. I don't want you. I tune out of that part of this, but think about living generously in every way in your life. And even to the point of money, but don't give it to the church. Give it to something else if this really puts you off of church, okay? Because I don't want to do that if you're new here. But I do want to teach you what Jesus taught. Because we're big Jesus people, all right? Is that okay? We're on the same page? Good. Okay, here we go. Today we're starting a new series, and over the next few weeks we're going to be investigating this whole idea of how we can embrace living generally, generously. Now, in the first century, there was a guy called Luke. He was a doctor and a historian, and 
he was hired by another guy called Theophilus to write a historical account of Jesus' time on earth and the time he spent with his disciples. So Luke took that on, and he wrote this account. Now, when we start looking at the account that Luke wrote, we find a story in chapter 21. We've divided up the chapters. He would have just written it like a book. But the chapter 21 says this. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. So the scene is Jesus is sitting in the temple over in the corner, just kind of watching, seeing what's going on, right? Now, there was a collection box, like we have cash boxes back there. And by the way, I'm not going to stay in here and watch as you're going out, right, doing that. And most of you are giving online anyway, so I wouldn't be able to tell that and, uh, and on and on. But Jesus is there, and he's watching. And this is something that the rich people, they would have celebrated the opportunity to give. Not necessarily because they were generous, though. They would have been going by and making a lot of noise, making a big celebration about it so they could draw attention to themselves. So that people would say, hey, look at them. Look what they're doing. That would have been the atmosphere. And then this poor widow goes by and she drops in two small coins, which would have been comparatively little, probably wouldn't have even paid for a light globe. And she did that. Jesus had a perspective on that. He said this, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Jesus' assessment was this widow was more generous than all the rest. What she gave was sacrificial. They only gave a tiny part of their surplus. They were tipping God, if you will. She gave everything she had. She would have wondered, get, the, get this picture now. She's a widow, okay? She may have children at home that need to be fed and all those things. She would have bills to pay. And it says she gave everything she had. Think about that. She would have gone home that day wondering how Am I going to pay the bills next week or tomorrow? How are we going to eat tomorrow? How are we going to eat next week? How am I going to get my kids' clothes? All those things. This widow is poor. She has literally nothing, and she gave that little bit that she had. Rich people gave more, but that didn't necessarily make it generous. What we learn here, the principle we learn here is that generosity requires sacrifice. See, a generous life is not measured by how much you give. A generous life is measured by how much you sacrifice. What does it cost you? Money or time, it's measured by sacrifice. You know, a lot of times we, we like to celebrate big gifts. People that are able to give just uh, what we would think is generous, but a lot of times it's just big. It's not necessarily generous. I was a part of a church uh, for a number of years. It's a church that I grew up spiritually in and learned some ministry skills in that and there was a person in the church who owned a business that uh, uh, paved streets and car parks and things with bitumen, okay? Asphalt for those that are overseas listening on the, uh, uh, online. Anyway, this guy donated the time and the energy, the materials and everything to pave our car park at our church. That was a massive, massive gift. It was huge. We had a business meeting uh, a couple of months later, and there was a motion put up that said, 
we should bless this man and his wife and send them on an island cruise. Right? And everybody pretty much in the room thought, that's a fantastic idea. Let's bless him because of what he did. Then someone said, what about the widow's might? What about the widow's two coins? Because a lot of people had given very generously and sacrificially to the building projects around that place and everything. And they couldn't afford to go and, and pave the whole car park. This person could pave the car park. And by the way, this person was not asking to be blessed, to be sent on this trip or anything like that. His motive was not that at all. So don't get that confused in this story. And if you're online and you know what I'm talking about, hey, not saying anything negative about that person. But there was a perspective that was lost because the gift was so big. But it wasn't necessarily that generous. It may not have cost anything for, for that person relative to uh, their worth. Five years ago, we uh, were celebrating our 50th anniversary. By the way, uh, March 3rd, we're celebrating 55 years here. So make sure that you're telling all your friends and then uh, uh, bringing them along to that celebration. But at our 50th, we called it the year of Jubilee. And we tried to raise extra funds for our building fund. We had people uh, uh, commit to certain amounts that they would give monthly or once overall or whatever. And when we launched that on that anniversary service, I was in the foyer afterwards, and this couple who had come to us through one of our bridge ministries came up to me and they said, we don't really have anything, but could, could we give $5 a month? Whew. That, my friends, for them, was massively generous. That's what we're talking about, where it cost you something. You know, I was at a missionary supporter gathering uh, recently where the, the supporters of the missionary were invited. And there were people there that I noticed were there that I know are doing it tough. And it would be a sacrifice to be able to support a missionary. It's only generous if it costs you something. One of Jesus' other followers named Mark uh, told another story about generosity. In Mark chapter 14, he says this. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Now, this would have been a prized possession for this woman. It would have been a year or more's wages. This could have been a family heirloom that she had held on to. And uh, some commentators actually believe that this woman was a prostitute. Now, question about that. Who can give? Anyone. Anyone can give. This woman took that opportunity. She was, uh, uh, it didn't matter her background, who she was. She saw Jesus there. And when she did that, look what happened. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. What would you have done in that situation? Work that out in your life groups this week. That'll be one of your questions. She was criticized for her generosity. Some people saw it as a waste. The money could have been used to feed the poor. But Jesus had a different perspective. He said this. Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. 
And you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. He tells them, leave her alone. Stop criticizing her. She gets it and you don't. She gets what's really important. I'm here now. She's done what she could. A couple of principles that we, we learn here about generosity. Generosity responds to the opportunity. She sees the opportunity to be generous. Jesus was there then. She's not going to have this opportunity later. Jesus is not going to be there. So the opportunity, the decision, whether or not to be generous is right now. And she sees that opportunity. Generosity not only needs to respond to opportunity, but it also, generosity may receive opposition. Others are not always going to understand or appreciate your generosity. Something that you become passionate about and want to give your money to or your time to. There's people serving right now whose friends serving at church right now. It takes about 70 people to run a service on a Sunday here with our kids men and everything. There are people here, though, that are serving that their friends would think, why in the world do you do that? That's a waste of your time. There are people here who give, and people think, that's a waste of your money. You could do something else with that. See, others are going to have different priorities than you do. And, you know, even people who are trying to be generous, a lot of times there's going to be things that you are passionate about that they're not passionate about. And there's going to be things they're passionate about that you're not. And if you look at each other and you judge each other about that, then you're going to think, oh, they're wasting their time. They're wasting their money. They should invest that more in the outreach ministries rather than the discipleship ministries. And we shouldn't spend that, you know, that, that kind of thing. When you start feeling that way, realize that everyone has different priorities and God puts on everyone's heart the things that he wants them to be passionate about doesn't mean it's a waste. Now, maybe you're sitting here today, and you're, or you're watching online, and you're sitting there thinking, these stories from the ancient world are great. And that's inspiring, and yes, there's a little twinge here that, oh, yeah, like that widow, maybe we should be more like her and things. But I live in 2024, and have you seen the interest rates? And forget the interest rates. I can't even get a deposit for a house, so I'm renting. Have you seen how much rentals cost today? Anybody? Have you gone to the grocery store and came out with one bag that cost you 100 bucks? Right? You might be sitting there thinking, you're talking about generosity. You're talking about giving and all this stuff. You just don't get it. Actually, I do. I live in the same community you do, the same world that you do. It can be challenging. It can be difficult. But I want to spend the rest of our time talking about one principle of generosity that really will enable us to embrace and to get on with living generously. And the one word that, that's going to underscore this principle is trust. Trust. If we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is writing uh, to uh, a church, and Timothy's the pastor, and he says this. Teach those who are rich in this world. Okay, how many of you just went, Phew. that's not me. I'm not rich, right? Anybody? You want to raise your hand? No, you know it's a trap, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you have heard this before because I've talked about this before. 
Did you know that if you make what the average Australian makes, you're in the top 1% of wealthy people in the world. You're in the top 1%. And maybe we're in the western suburbs and you don't make what the average Australian makes. Let's say you make half, which by the way is $45,000 a year. You are in the top 5% of wealthy people in the world. How's that feel? Is that exciting? You know what that makes you? That makes you the rich in this world, right? right? So we're going to do an exercise here. Pull it up on the screen, yep. All right, we're all going to say this together. I am rich, all right? I'm going to count to three, then we're going to say it. One, two, three. I am rich. Wow, most of you said that. We're going to do it one more time. All right, one, two, three. I am rich. How's that feel? It feels good. Oh, awesome, awesome. How many of you actually feel rich? We don't feel rich, do we? But the reality, bless you, brother, the reality is we are rich. He says, to those who are rich. So we can confidently conclude that Paul's words to teach those who are rich is actually talking to us. We can take that on board. And having established that, I want us to explore with you today how we can be rich. Not how we can get rich, because we're already there. But how we can do that well. How we can be rich. Back to to, uh, Paul's writing here. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. See, he's telling us here that Being rich has some clear dangers. It has some real dangers that we need to understand. It says, first of all, that we can become proud. We can become arrogant. We can say, look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. I made this. Not God did this. It can cause us to be proud. It can also be a danger because we're trusting in our money. And generally speaking, trusting money manifests itself in three different ways. It can manifest itself in having stuff. I want more stuff. So that's why I need money. And uh, if I have stuff, then, or if I have money, I can buy all the stuff I need or want. It manifests itself in status. If I have enough money, people are going to look up to me. People are going to value me. People are going to respect me because I've got money right? Or it manifests itself just in security. The future is fine. I don't have to worry. I won't need to depend on anyone or anything because I am trusting my money. That's a danger. The problem is that when we trust our money, when we put our confidence there, or our confidence in even our plans, we, talk, we sang a song about all of our dreams and all our plans, trusting that all to you. We have misplaced our trust because of this. Money is so unreliable. Think about it for just a second. Money's unreliable. We have market crashes. We live in a really difficult economy right now. Governments are problems. Money can be stolen, and those two aren't necessarily related, but they might be. Yes, that's a joke. Trusting money, friends, At the core means we're not trusting God. We're putting our confidence in what we can do. People who have everything think that they don't need to trust God in anything. 
We find it easier to trust in things that we can see, the stuff, than the intangible, the thing that's out there that even though God promises to take care of us, we find that more difficult to, to trust that than what we can see. If you go back a few verses in Paul's teaching, same chapter, he says this, looking at the dangers, the people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Lots of encouraging words there, right? And it says these things happen to people who trust money. For the love of money, you know the Bible says this. You didn't know where it was, though. It's right here. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Paul is teaching here that money is dangerous. Loving money is dangerous. Trusting money is dangerous. So with all these dangers, how can we navigate those dangers and get to a place of being able to live generously? How can we combat the dangers of being rich? First of all, we need to trust God's provision. First Timothy has already told us that over and over. But if you look at Luke, remember he's that doctor that wrote the history and talked about the widow. In chapter 12, he says this. Turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or uh, food to eat or enough clothes to wear. A few verses later, he says, why do you have so little faith or lack of trust? Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. See, worrying about day-to-day stuff is not trusting God. It's living like the world. And people who don't believe there's a God have no reason not to trust in all that other stuff. That's their only hope is what they can do, what they can accomplish, what they can have, what they can gain, right, themselves. Because they don't believe there's a God who's actually going to provide for them. God wants us to trust him implicitly for our needs. You know, for for those of you that are Christians in the room and online, think about this. One day you decided that you were going to trust God with your eternity. We call it getting saved. We came to Jesus, right? And you're trusting God for eternity to take you to heaven and spend eternity with him. But tomorrow we're going to struggle trusting God with the daily things in our lives. How ironic is that? That's just crazy, isn't it? And I'm not talking just to you. I'm talking to me too. Why are we willing to trust God with our eternity but not trust God with tomorrow? Think about that. If we go back to 1 Timothy again, he says this, True godliness with contentment is in itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothes, let us be content. That's the next thing. If we're going to combat the dangers of being rich, we need to be content with God's provision. You know, sometimes we aren't trusting God's provision, but really, he's already provided a ton, and we're just not content with the things that he has given us. Contentment means satisfaction in our circumstances or our position in life. God promises to be a provider. He promises to meet our needs. He doesn't promise to make us healthy, wealthy, and wise. Okay? If you 
have bought into that uh, kind of an idea of who God is, and he's your, your genie in a bottle kind of thing where you can tell him what you want. And give. That's not what he promises. He promises to meet our needs. He promises to supply those. You know what the, the greatest enemy of contentment is? Facebook. <laughs> Instagram. Also known as comparison. You know, we're content with what we have until we see what someone else has. We're content until we see what we think is something better. We're content with our car until a new model comes out. We're content with our clothes until the next year's fashion comes out. And it's like, oh, no, that's last year's fashion. I can't do that. Need to take that to the salvos. We're okay with our phone until the next model comes out and it's got another camera on it. Right? We're okay with our holiday. We thought we had a great time until we're listening to what somebody else did on their holiday. Contentment. Be content with God's provision. That's how we can be generous. Then uh, he says this. Paul says in Timothy, he says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. We need to do good with God's provisions. That's the last point. We need to do good with God's provisions. How to be rich, how to live generously. He says, use your money to do good. God has made you and I rich. And I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't preach on it. I didn't talk about it a lot, but it said he's given you all these things to enjoy. He's made us rich, and he does want us to enjoy life, okay? He's not some cosmic killjoy who wants you to just be a pauper and give away everything, but he does want us to be generous. And he says be rich in good works. Living generously, I've said it a few times, is more than money. It's about more than money. It's about doing good with your life, your time, your energy, helping people in practical ways. Somebody needs to shift house, you're there. You're helping people that can't do things for themselves. He says, be generous to those in need. There are people in our community who aren't as rich as you are. Okay, most people in Australia are going to fall into the rich category the way we defined it earlier. But there's people who are not as rich as you are. And there are people who don't know how they're going to pay their rent next month or keep the power on and things like that. How can you help them? And then he says, sharing with others. What do you have that you could use to bless others? Are you willing to share? A good test for how generous you are or not might be, what is that thing you have that nobody else is going to touch that you're not willing to share if someone else had a need? What is that thing? So what do we take away today? Living generously should be surprising. It's doing the unexpected. It's giving more than is expected. Need to look for the opportunities. They are all around us. They're here in our church. They're here in our community, and they're around the world. They're at Wyndham Park Primary School we've talked about this morning. There's opportunities to be generous. Opposition. You know, the greatest opposition, while some people may not understand your giving and your generosity, the greatest opposition is that we're rich, and richness has dangers. So the intro to the series video. Love the words. It said this, imagine a life where generosity is our first instinct, where every moment, every cent, 
And every action is an opportunity to spark change. Where joy is discovered, not in our wealth, but in our abundance of sharing. A life lived with open hands and open hearts. Because a life isn't about what we can have. It's about what we can give. It's time to stop imagining and to start living generously. You want to live generously? Three things to take away today. Trust God. Be content. Do good. It's that simple. Trust God. Be content. Do good. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that you don't shy away from teaching us how we need to view our stuff and our lives, our time, all the resources you give us. Lord, thank you for just blessing us so abundantly. Lord, we know today that we are those rich in this world. And Lord, we, I think most days, don't live like that. We don't think about that. Lord, we don't feel rich. Lord, remind us how blessed we are. And Lord, help us to enjoy those blessings as you've said that they're there for us to enjoy. But Lord, help us also to be generous to those in need, to do good to those in need, and willing to share as you've called us to. Father, I pray right now for those that may be listening to this message and, and they don't even have the widow's two mites to give. Lord, I pray for blessing on them. I pray that you would provide for them and meet their needs. Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize those opportunities and be a part of meeting those needs as well. In Jesus' name, amen.